0: It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. The show's made possible by patrons like Peggy, Tavis, Eric, Mary, and Kristen and uh, Kim, Brian, David, and Alan, Beth, thanks so much for becoming patrons. You can become a patron as well and support the show, keep us going. Uh, just go to com click on the link that is at the top there. It's called, I think, exclusive for patrons. Anyway, it's at the very top. And you just click on that link, it takes you to the Patreon account, and you can uh, pick a tier, whichever you are more comfortable at, and then you get exclusive content access and, uh, you get some swag. So, uh, folks just started getting their, uh, their end of year gifts in the mail. So if you haven't, by the way, keep an eye out or send me a message. If you haven't gotten it by the end of the year, you should have already gotten, it, it should have arrived unless you are in the, uh, the postal service black holes in their universe, which are Asheville and Atlanta for some reason. I'm not really sure why, but <clears throat> that's, uh, that's apparently the case. Um, so, Yesterday, at the very end of the podcast, I mentioned this story out of Raleigh, W-R-A-L, broke the story and Democrats pounced. They seized upon this story. I'm just kidding. Only Republicans pounce and seize that. That's what we know. Only Republicans pounce and seize. So uh, the Democrats uh, and media, though, but I repeat myself, they made a big deal about how Senator Phil Berger, the North Carolina State Pres- uh, uh, Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger, uh, that several people with ties to him and his office are now in quarantine because they attended a Christmas party. According to spokesman Pat Ryan, Phil Berger hosts a Christmas party every year for current and former staff members. Like I said, I mentioned a little bit of this at the end of the show yesterday. I'm going to go a little bit deeper uh, into this story today because it really is, I think, it's a perfect example of so much that is wrong with the way we interpret and understand the COVID nineteen risks and mitigation strategies, but also this reaction that people have to seeing other people do things and uh it's it's just not it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Kind of like not getting a good night's sleep. Isn't that's not healthy. You have to have a good night's sleep, which means you go to mattress man and you get yourself a fantastic mattress. That's what I did. I mean, this was several years ago before they were ever advertising on the on the show, but I love my mattress. And I would tell you that even if they weren't advertising on the show. Christy and I bought our mattress. It's a memory foam. It's a king size mattress. We love it. And it's super soft, comfortable. The cat loves it. Spends like probably 20 hours a day on the mattress. I'm wondering, like, maybe I should start marketing to, you know, to pet owners. <laughs> Sorry, companions of animals right um because my our cat loves the bed and he sleeps on it all the time so uh more than I do more than I do still if you know if you want a nice bed for you you want a comfortable bed for you or your pet go to mattress man they've got inner spring mattresses pillow tops natural latex mattresses uh, along with adjustable bases so you can elevate your head elevate your feet uh, they have the memory foam obviously like we got They have four stores in Asheville, Arden, and Hendersonville. They ship nationwide. They have five-star local delivery service and a 120-day comfort guarantee. So go to MattressMan or MattressManStores.com. Experience the difference at MattressMan. Buy local and sleep better. So this story about Phil Berger's office and a couple of the members now are in quarantine there's, uh, first off, and I told this story during the live stream last night, uh, that is, you know, specifically for patrons. My wife and I, we were in contact with a person who was in class with someone who tested positive. So, all right. So we're like, right. Two degrees removed, right? That's the, so you got person A who had it. They went home sick. But person B was in the class with person A. So person B had to stay home and self-isolate and quarantine. But because we had been in close proximity to person B, we then were like, well, what do we need to do? Do we need to quarantine? This was uh, two days ago. I'm like, do we need to quarantine? And um, we went to the CDC because we were told, <laughs> this, this person's mom said, no, the CDC says you should just go about your normal routine. And I thought, that's insane. Like, we're only one, we're, we're one step away, right, from person A. So I need to double check this. And so I did. And she was right. The CDC doesn't even recommend that we had to quarantine. Like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Now, if we had symptoms, then yes. But that's just a good rule of thumb anyway, don't you think? If you've got symptoms, you should probably not be going out and about. So Christy was like, I can't wait for these tests to come back because we were waiting on person B to get a test. And Christy says, I'm going to go get a rapid test. So she goes in and gets the rapid test done, and uh, she's clear. And so uh, she went to Ashewell, uh Medical Group, by the way, and they uh, they saw her like that day, got her the test, 10 minutes, done. It was fantastic, and uh, we're in the clear. So fantastic. Now we can go out and hug everybody. No, I'm kidding. But... um that that protocol i suspect a lot of people are like me and they're unaware of that protocol so what do you do when someone who is the person a you know is in contact with b and you're in contact with b later well you got to wait for b to quarantine and get a test meanwhile what do you do cdc says don't change anything just do what you're normally doing I don't think that's a very responsible thing to do, but that's just me. So now this goes to the this um, this event, this Christmas party, and I guess it was a Christmas party. No, I wasn't there. It's was very hurtful. I wasn't invited. I don't know why. Actually, I do. I do know why. Aside from the fact that I don't live in Raleigh, and I don't really know Phil Berger or like the staff. And also, by the way, I've never worked for Phil Berger. So that's those are kind of the the those are the keys to entry. And so. <laughs> Uh, this So the senator every year does a Christmas party for current and former staff members. This year, the senator hosted a smaller celebration with some current staff and guests at a Raleigh restaurant. At a Raleigh restaurant, right. So, okay, so you're at a restaurant. Now, were you all at one table? Does that matter? I seem to recall there being some sciencey data and facts that indicated that once you sit down at the restaurant table, that COVID no longer can affect you, right? COVID apparently floats around at like the five foot and above level. And so when you sit down, right, you're, you're now underneath the COVID cloud, I think. That's the only thing I can assume because they told us that if I get up and I got to walk to the bathroom, I got to wear the mask, even though I'm creating airflow when I walk which you think would disperse some of the the lung juice that's suspended in the air with the COVID, you know, that COVID cloud. You would think if I'm walking through, then that would kind of uh, push air around and would be kind of beneficial. But no, apparently that's where the cloud is. It's up above the five-foot level. And so if you are seated and you're below five feet, then that would mean you don't have to really worry about it. I don't make these rules, people. I don't make up the science, okay? So... They're all sitting, I guess, at the same table. Let's assume they're at the same table, because otherwise, what, they could be at at different tables and all spaced out? I don't know. I mean, socially distancing, not spaced out, like all whacked out on drugs or something. But the, uh, the gathering was in line with all relevant restrictions, said Pat Ryan, the spokesman for Phil Berger. Okay, so if that's the case, then the social distancing and the mask wearing and the seated at the tables and all that seems like they were following the rules, including, he says, the capacity limits inside restaurants, current pandemic restrictions, WRAL reports, limit indoor gatherings to 10 people. But restaurants are allowed to seat up to 50% of their indoor capacity. And Ryan said the party had fewer than 30 attendees. So let's call it 30. Are they all seated at the same table? I don't know. Are they seated at different tables? And then... They get up and kind of bounce from table to table. People move around and sit down at different tables, or uh, I would guess if Senator Berger is there, maybe he's kind of making the rounds, in which case then, is he any different than a server that would bounce from table to table, right? I'm trying to think of all of the ways why I'm supposed to be outraged at this. And I'm, I'm coming up with blanks, like I don't know... Where the outrage is supposed to be placed. Is it because he had the gathering at a restaurant, meeting all the protocols, wearing the masks, you know, being under capacity? What is it? Attendees, they say, wore masks while moving about the restaurant, but not while having dinner. So in other words, they dined out. Everybody was dining out. And the reaction from people uh, on Twitter and the comments section of the, you know, the Facebook and stuff, it you would think these people went around, uh, I don't know, like a target and started coughing on random people. I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I do understand. I do actually understand. It's just amazing to me. It's not even amazing. And I keep saying these things because like, I want it to be different and it's not. And I'm just kind of, I, I guess this comes from just a, a, a place of disappointment. You know, that I guess I do actually hold people in a higher regard to think that they wouldn't behave in, in this kind of manner. And then they do. And that's why I keep saying I'm amazed, I'm shocked. But it's to the point now I'm not, because people have become completely incapable, it seems like, of examining events and removing the people at the events from the equation, it doesn't matter to me that, uh, you know, what Donald Trump's views on COVID-19 were. What mattered was that he got it, right? This is the same thing. When, COVID, when when Trump got COVID and the reaction from the left was essentially, oh, goody, that's karma in your face, right? Because the left believes, apparently, there are a lot of people on left. And by the way, there are a lot of people in the right that are never Trumpers as well they believe they occupy a morally superior position because they demand everybody be locked down. Right? They, they do. They think they think the entire economy should continue to be completely locked down. Now, maybe they want some stimulus or relief money to flow through so people can go out and, you know, march in the streets and have lots of free time on their hands. I don't know, because that's, I think, really what led to a lot of the protesting over the summer, But uh, which is actually a pretty interesting comparison. Do you remember... The lack of outrage, the dismissiveness or the flat out ignoring of the threat posed by you know tens of thousands of people mass gathering all over the state. And then they would get shot with uh, tear gas and they'd be hacking and coughing all over each other. They're, nobody cared. Nobody talked about COVID-19 spread. They didn't call these things super spreader events. There was no outrage from this, uh, for the, you know, the, the, the scold mob of, of grubers that are out there like, I can't believe you would dine out. Okay. So things I learned during this, uh, the reporting of this story, apparently uh, uh, Republicans are the only ones. That have been dining out for, for the length of the pandemic, Democrats have not been dining out. Republicans are the only ones dining out because if this is the way they react to a story about people going out to eat at a restaurant, then I have to believe they're not going out to restaurants. Unless, of course, this is faux outrage and it's only directed at their political adversary. And that's what's really objectionable. It's not the fact that they went out to eat. It's the fact that they went out to eat. See the difference? That's what's really going on. And it's sad. It's sad because people have lost the ability, if they ever had it, to rationally and logically examine a story. There are things to be outraged about. This is not one of them. And it's, it's definitely not karma. It's not worthy of your glee. It's not worthy of celebrating that a guest of someone at the party and I don't even want to call it a party. They're dining out. But a guest, somebody that, that was brought to the event, they tested positive. And so now everybody that was around that person is quarantining. Fine. So maybe all the people at their table, they're all quarantining now until they get their tests back. Okay. W- w- is there some sort of like, I told you so lesson here? No, There's not. There's not. But they want the, the left wants to make it a "told you so" lesson. Here you go, Justin Parmenter. He is a teacher, so take you know take this under advisement. This is coming from an educator. He's a union guy, NCAE. He's an education activist. He's a blogger and uh, leftist, and he says, Senator Berger, this is not complicated. If we want to get kids back in school where they belong, we have to start conducting ourselves like there's a pandemic going on. Hey. Jerk face. If uh, we were conducting ourselves like there's a pandemic actually going on, like if we were actually doing that, we would be dosing people with hydroxychloroquine and zinc and all sorts of other types of medicine. We would, but we're not. We're not. Also, you would not be leaving your house for anything ever. Also, uh, people would not be working in grocery stores. Uh, people would not be delivering stuff to your house while you're you know, self-quarantining, even though you're not sick, you are you have no symptoms, you're not infected, but you're going to stay locked down in your little hidey hole because you're afraid that something out there in the big bad world is going to kill you. See, if you are actually uh, participating in society as if we were in a pandemic that you want to shame Berger into living his life like, you would be behaving differently, and you're not. You're not. You're just using this as an opportunity to score political points with your base. Because here's the thing. Folks on the right, do not give a flying fig Newton about anything you have to say like this. You're not talking to me. You're not talking to the right. You're not talking to anybody with half a brain. You're talking to people that are so petrified, right? They are so scared that they, they see all Any kind of an event like this as proof that it's too risky to live their life. I have some data on this, by the way, I'm going to get to. So you may want to stick around for that, Justin. Um, He says, uh, we have to start conducting ourselves like there's a pandemic going on. Even though, even though the people at the party did exactly that. They did that, right? The It says in the story, the gathering was in line with all relevant restrictions, including capacity limits inside restaurants. Nobody else has tested positive for COVID-19 or shown any symptoms. Okay, so it seems like they did act responsibly. You either let people go about their lives and and. Uh, mitigate their risks and be as responsible as they can or you are a tyrant and you are going to shut people out of their daily lives because you're afraid you could catch it because that's really what this is about right this is about Justin Parmenter and others on the left being afraid that they're going to catch it and die they're not afraid when they go and protest march for months tens of thousands of people in the street hacking and coughing all over each other see they're not afraid at that because as one person told me, another lefty told me that uh, you know sometimes you know civil rights is worth risking our lives for. See, but there's the key, guy. Is you're not risking your life, you're risking everybody else's life. They. This is the explicit argument that the left makes against people like Berger, that Berger and his uh, friends and staffers that attended this uh, this restaurant event, that they are jeopardizing other people's lives. They're going to lead. To the deaths of other people because they acted irresponsibly. However, when tens of thousands of people pack the streets, right, they're not responsible for anybody else's deaths. See? You see how that works? People see it's I'm not the only one that sees this, by the way. And if you wonder why nobody believes you, that things are so bad, oh my God. This is why. This is why. And I'm not denying that it's a contagious virus and that uh, if you are old and you got comorbidities, you catch it. You could very well die from it. Absolutely. I don't, I'm not downplaying the risks and I'm not downplaying the danger of, uh, of death if you get it. But when you guys behave like this, you give other people who may already be predisposed to not believing in the pandemic, you give them an escape hatch. You give them an easy way to say, you're a liar. I'm not listening to you because of stuff like this. Now, maybe you don't care. Maybe you're okay with that person catching it and dying too. I don't know. I'm not going to ascribe nefarious motives to you like you've done to everybody else. This is where we are. It's a sad state of affairs, but this is where we are. Notice the volume of virus shaming noticeably higher with this story than when tens of thousands of people crowded the streets for months and the same people that are chastising the GOP today over 30 people at a restaurant they ignored or dismissed any concern over the mass demonstrations any concern whatsoever I I literally had somebody tell me that dining out equals denying science <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that kind of idiocy now the person also said and I'm not trying to I'm not naming I'm not trying to beat up on the guy but uh, he also said on Twitter that Uh, He had gotten he had gotten death threats from people from right wingers because of that tweet he sent to me. And I said, well, tell me who they are. I want to know who they are. So I'm not following them and they're not following me. I want to report them. I want to block them because I don't have any tolerance for that as being the as being a target of that kind of uh, rhetoric. I, I don't support that. So tell me who they are. The guy is yet to respond. And I'm starting to get the idea. Just an inkling. That he may have lied about it, (laughs) that maybe he didn't actually get any death threats about it. Maybe he did, and I'll be happy to correct the record if he did, but I'd like to know who did it. I'd also like to know who your real estate agent is if you're buying or selling a house, because if it's not Rowena Patton, what are you doing? Rowena Patton and her all-star powerhouse team... They outsell 99% of the realtors in the entire state. They're the official Homes for Heroes agents in Asheville. Uh, This is a national program that gives buyers and sellers 25% back from the realtor commissions. Uh, This goes to police officers, firefighters, healthcare professionals, educators, and members of the military. So veterans, active duty, and retirees. She's given back about $800,000 so far to local folks in those professions. So I don't know why you would use any other real estate agent. Call the only agent that I did that I called uh, when we were looking to buy our house, Rowena Patton. 333-4483. That's 333-4483. MountainHomeHunt.com is the website. And start packing. So then there's this story, ironically enough, the very same day that all of the Phil Berger uh, uh, outrage begins. From Fox News, headline, Reporter tests positive for coronavirus after covering Biden in Georgia. (laughs) So we're supposed to blame Biden for this, I believe. I think that's how that works. And the news organization and the reporter, right? Isn't that how that's supposed to work now? I'm trying to just get a consistent standard here, folks. A member of the press who traveled with President elect Joe Biden on Tuesday tested positive for the coronavirus on Wednesday according to Biden's transition team. Out of an abundance of caution a member of the transition's communication staff will quarantine um according to the transition or according to the uh, the Biden office Uh, statement, press members who were also in close contact with the individual who tested positive are being kept off duty until after the window for somebody becoming infectious has passed. So they're quarantining. That's what they're saying there. They're going to quarantine until they know that these people are not uh, at risk. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases this week, said that Biden and Vice President elect Kamala Harris should receive the recently approved coronavirus vaccine quickly for security reasons, this is a pretty good. I saw uh, Mike Pence, Vice President Pence. He got the he got the shot, and I, I am curious, like, why hasn't Biden and and Harris gotten it yet? Especially Biden, like he's he's like a million years old. He he's definitely in one of the more vulnerable groups, right? When you look at the age groups of who who dies from it, he's in it. So is Trump too, but Trump already had it, right? Trump had COVID for like three minutes and uh and then he beat it so I, I i guess he's immune to it now i don't know for a little while maybe i don't know because um, look and i don't even think the scientists know at this point i see conflicting stuff about this all the time it could uh that the vaccine may only give you immunity for two months i've seen if you get it uh then you're good for months uh, others are for years and then others is like no it doesn't give you any immunity so i don't know i don't know we want them infected Trump appointee demanded herd immunity strategy, emails reveal. That's the headline (laughs) at Politico. And you, I, I play the sound bite because this is the meaning. This is the, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Trump is terrible and everybody around him is terrible. We want them infected. Who is he talking about? Who is this person? A Trump appointee demanded herd immunity strategy. So a couple things, this is in July or so July 4th, this is an email from a fellow by the name of Paul Alexander, who was a science advisor and in the health and human services or yeah, in, in, in DHHS and, uh, this, they were debating strategy and this guy, Alexander was a proponent of herd immunity, which by the way, uh, that's what we're all working towards right now with the vaccines. So everybody here was like, oh, herd immunity, blah, blah, blah. Okay, conspiracy tinfoil hat wearer. No, nope. Well, if you vaccinate enough people, then herd immunity kicks in. That's the point of the vaccine is you get enough people that have the vaccine. And so when the virus comes along, it can't spread because it hits somebody. It can't replicate. It can't. It doesn't find a host there, and so it just burns out. That's the point. Herd immunity is what makes vaccines work, because not everybody can get a vaccine of any, like all sorts of vaccines. There are all sorts of reasons why people don't get many different vaccines right but you eliminate these diseases like polio for example by having enough people get the vaccine that herd immunity kicks in so this concept I just feel like I need to point this out before I get into the details of this ridiculous story I I feel the need to point out that herd immunity is not some kind of crackpot notion right it's a legitimate thing it's what we're working towards right now okay so here's the politico story a couple of the highlights A top Trump appointee repeatedly urged top health officials, so top people urging, a top person urging top people, to adopt a herd immunity approach to COVID-19 and allow millions of Americans to be infected by the virus. I love this. Allow millions to to allow us to be infected. (laughs) Like you have... I, the, the presumption of control here is really instructive. It's a it, it's a window into the mind of the reporter that there is somehow some ability to control a virus that already by July had had spread widely throughout the community. Right. You were you had community spread already at a level. It was uncontainable. We, by the time we knew it was here, it was uncontainable. So, but this idea that uh, uh, you've got somebody saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh, this thing is a virus. It's going to virus, and so maybe you know we should uh, not really worry so much about the people who are less at risk of dying from it. You know, people who have a ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance of surviving it. Uh, maybe we shouldn't really be focusing on them so much. Maybe we should be focusing on others. This is not a crackpot notion either." It's what we're doing with the vaccines right now. But apparently, if you have an email from July 4th of a Trump advisor saying we shouldn't worry so much about college kids you know, and uh, and students, because they're at very low risk, we should worry about protecting the vulnerable. This is somehow outrageous. I, I'm not sure why. Now, I am sure that if you're trying to get a job done right and you don't have the right tool for it, uh, it makes everything much more difficult. I have been there. I renovated a house uh, probably about uh, 15 years ago, and I had like no tools. I would have loved to have known about General Equipment Rental when I was in Charlotte. Slight problem—they're not in Charlotte, uh, but that's where my house was, and so I could not use them. If I was doing that now here in the Asheville area, I would be using General Equipment Rental for all of the tool needs. I cut all of the crown molding in my house <laughs> with a handsaw because I did not have—I <laughs> didn't have a saw to make the cuts, you know, like a miter box. I couldn't do it. And uh, so I had to do everything, and then I found out about the blocks, and so I just started putting blocks in all the corners and said i'm not even going to mess with the the uh you know the 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 angles and the cuts and all that stuff. I just gave up, okay, I just gave up so rather than giving up, just get the right tool general equipment rental they will help you find the right tool for the job. You probably already know the tool that you need uh, they've got it, but if you don't know how to use the tool, maybe you just like watched a YouTube video and you're like, "Okay, I need to get this tool, but I don't really know how to use it." General Equipment Rental, the folks there will tell you how to use the tool. They are family owned and operated, have been for three generations. They're in Weaverville at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road. Go to General Equipment Rental generalrents.com you can score a 10% discount on your first rental Uh, also 10% off the Husqvarna auto mower these are for sale Uh, while supplies last this thing just mows the yard without you doing anything so it's like it literally is an auto mower Um, again while supplies last Uh, go check it out at their website generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox so uh, there is no other way We need to establish herd immunity, and it only comes about allowing the non-high-risk groups to expose themselves to the virus, period. That is what Paul Alexander wrote in an email to his boss, boss, Health and Human Services Assistant Secretary for Public Affairs, Michael Capito, and six other senior officials, who obviously, uh, one of those seven people, uh, took the email and gave it to Politico. Here's uh, here's more of what Paul Alexander says. Infants, kids, teens, young people, young adults, middle-aged, with no conditions, uh, no pre-existing conditions, no comorbidities. They have zero to very little risk, so we use them to develop herd immunity. We want them infected. Now, they 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 pull that, we want them infected. They put dot, dot, dots in front of both, like they bookended it. So we want them to develop herd immunity, dot, dot, dot. We want them infected, dot, dot, dot. So I don't know if Politico edited that down or if that's the way he wrote the email. Either way, what he is expressing is the premise of herd immunity. Why do you think people in the age groups that he just listed, why do you think they're not first in line to get the vaccines? Because they're not. Why aren't they? Well, they're at the lowest risk. Do you want them to die? No. I just know they're at the lowest risk of catching it and dying from it. Now, if you have comorbidities, then you know your risks go up. If you are older, your risks go up. But at their ages and at their levels of health, no, they're not at risk. So you don't get first in line for the vaccines. You have to wait for other people who have greater risk. Again, this is not a crackpot notion, folks. But the way Politico is reporting this, we're supposed to be outraged. Because, again, just like with the Phil Berger story at the restaurants, right, you work off the premise of if it's a Republican, they're trying to kill people and they're spreading it and they're they're callous. They have no heart. They, they just want people to die all over the place. That's the premise. Whereas if it's a Democrat, then it's like, you know, oh, tough choices. We're faced with these really tough choices, uh, you know, civil rights and, you know, speaking out for black lives matter or risking our very lives see in in their world it's just them that's risking their own life but in the republican scenario it's the republicans risking everybody else's lives even though they're identical the risks are all the same right the risk is spread and the spread hits people arbitrarily just without rhyme or reason it just spreads and it doesn't care whether you were out marching for a righteous cause or not you are not morally superior because you're choosing one set of lives over another i've said this from the very beginning anybody who is categorizing uh this uh these choices and this pandemic as uh as a lives versus money when you're talking about lockdowns if you're saying that this is a lives versus money Uh, equation, then you are an idiot or you are a liar, because that's not the case. It is a choice between lives and lives. These are not good options. There is no right answer, wrong answer, easy black and white delineation on this stuff. People are making the best decisions they can make with limited information and evolving information. So, no, I'm not going to rip into people when they make a bad call if, here's the key, if they recognize, oh, yeah, that, that was a bad call. We shouldn't have done that. If they acknowledge we did this thing, it didn't work, or we thought it would, um, or we knew it wouldn't, but we had to do it for this other reason, like the mask mandates uh, or the, uh, the guidance on going out and getting masks. Remember, the initial guidance from health officials was don't get masks. And then they turned around and said, okay, now get masks. And they said that the reason why they did that was because they wanted to protect the, the stock, the inventory of masks for frontline workers. They did not want to tell people go out and get masks because they did not want to create scarcity for a needed PPE in hospitals. I can understand that. I, I can People have to make bad... And this is why, by the way, I am always skeptical of government, because government will make those decisions. And I understand why they did it. And I'm not even saying it's necessarily the wrong decision, but it's a bad decision, but the other alternative was also a bad decision, right? I understand why they chose it. And you can... People can get very upset about it, they can like, I'm never going to trust anything they ever say again. Okay, well, uh, be skeptical. I'm skeptical of everything that uh, GovCo says. Um, especially on this stuff, but I understand why they did it. I understand why this guy in July is saying, Hey guys, maybe herd immunity is what we need to be striving for. I understand it because back then we didn't think we were going to get close to a vaccine within any, you know, short enough time period. So when the numbers started dropping and a lot of the most vulnerable died immediately, then, um, he's like, look, the the best way to do this is essentially vaccination and the way you get vaccinated is by getting the disease, right? And then you are theoretically immune to it. Again, like these are very old concepts. So I'm not really sure why everybody is acting like this is some sort of like new uh, chapter in evil. (laughs) It's like our our responses are limited here. Uh, He says it may be that It will be best if we open up and flood the zone and let the kids and young folk get infected in order to get natural immunity, natural exposure. This is what he wrote uh, on July 24th to the Food and Drug Administration Commissioner, Stephen Hahn, Capito as well, and eight other senior officials. Capito subsequently asked Alexander to research the idea, and uh, Alexander also argued that Colleges should stay open to allow COVID-19 infections to spread, he lamented in a July 27th email to the CDC director, Robert Redfield, that, quote, We essentially took off the battlefield the most potent weapon we had. Younger, healthy people, children, teens, young people who we needed to fastly infect themselves, spread it around, develop immunity and help stop the spread. The concept he is outlining, herd immunity, again, is not some radical crackpot notion. It's not. He's saying, why are we letting? Why, why are we locking people away, shutting everything down? All you're doing is delaying the this the, the, the inevitable that they're they're probably going to get it. Everyone's probably going to get it until there's a vaccine. Again, remember this was the summertime. Now, it's not summertime right now. It's very cold, and that means you probably need some winter gear, especially if you are a hunter or if you work outdoors, and that means you need to go to Old Grouch's Military Surplus and score some of the wool sweaters, the military field jackets, the wool and fleece toboggans, the socks, the Gore-Tex jackets, and you're going to get great deals, cheaper than you'll find at most outdoor stores. Also, he has got some limited edition survival outdoor kits. Uh, these are on the website. Their Christmas special featuring a high-quality Swedish-made Mora knife, fire starter, canteen, compass, and more. All of it packed into your choice of either an ammo can or a shoulder bag that's actually a repurposed Finnish Army gas mask bag. I was just talking to a listener last night during the live stream who said they got, uh, I think, one or two of these kits, and they love it. It's a great idea for a Christmas present for somebody in your life that's a backpacker. They go camping or something. It's a great starter kit for anybody that spends any time outdoors. Or if you're trying to start up your survival uh, gear collection, this is a great place to go. Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. Uh, The shop is open Monday through Saturday and uh, always at oldgrouch.com. All right, so next up... Senior Trump officials have repeatedly denied that herd immunity, a concept advocated by some conservatives as a tactic to control COVID-19 by deliberately exposing less vulnerable populations in hopes of reopening the economy. See, again, framing it as a lives versus uh, money argument. That's what Politico just does there. Like somehow this is only a concept some conservatives have been interested in. Okay, no, scientists are interested in it. And again, I point out, it's what vaccines are doing right now. Vaccinating people creates herd immunity. Um, And so, short of a vaccine, then why not let the people get infected? I'm not saying host COVID parties. I'm saying let people go about their daily lives, and those who are least at risk should have the least restrictions. Um, Herd immunity, this is what the White House said, Herd immunity is not the strategy of the U.S. government with regard to coronavirus. This is what was said by the HHS Secretary Alex Azar during a hearing before the House Coronavirus Subcommittee on October 2nd. And this story confirms it. This is what's missing. This story confirms that this was not their strategy. Here you got a guy named Alexander, and he's like, we should do herd immunity. We should do herd immunity. Did we? No. Therefore... This wasn't the strategy employed, but the whole story is written as if, oh my gosh, we almost came close, like this is what they were doing. And then, oh my gosh, so people were like, they blew the whistle and it all just stopped. That, that's not what happened. Are you telling me that you want these science advisors to sit around and not test different hypotheses, not examine different responses? This idea that you guys know what's best and what's best is what you decide to do like that's not true it's not helpful it's actually kind of dangerous it's hubris it's arrogance you got a guy here who's saying hey we should look at this other way to uh, uh to respond and because you disagree you think for some reason that he's trying to kill people i got news for you folks the virus is what's killing people that's the culprit and if you feel the need To blame some human beings for the virus? Blame China. It's very simple. You just blame China because they so deserve it. They deserve it. All right, let me go back to this. uh, Alexander also appeared to acknowledge that the White House's own push to let states wind down their COVID-19 restrictions was leading to a spike in cases. Really? It's amazing. You don't say. So when you relax the restrictions there's going to be an uptick in the case counts huh and by acknowledging that this is somehow nefarious that this is proof of evil intent quote there is a rise in cases due to testing and also simultaneously due to the relaxing of restrictions and less social distancing alexander wrote in a july 24th email we always knew as you relax and open up cases will rise hey guys this is not controversial does the author think that this is controversial? Like, did did does the author, does the reporter of this story, Tyler Olson, or no, sorry, not Tyler Olson, this is um, Dan Diamond at Politico. Does Dan Diamond think that we beat the virus over the summer? I, I'm unclear as to what the point here is. Now, where do we get all of this? This came from email, emails were obtained by the House Oversight Committee's select subcommittee On coronavirus so these are democratic congressmen who are using their committees or this committee i should say to try to take out political adversaries that's that's what this is that's the motivation of this story now you don't see that anywhere written in the story but that's the motivation that's where this is coming from i mean they'll say that oh you know we're just trying to get to the bottom of this and Public health experts have decried calls to deliberately infect younger, healthier Americans with COVID-19. Okay, wait a minute. Who is trying to deliberately infect people with COVID? Nobody. Alexander is not advocating the deliberate infection of people. He's saying, let it happen as it normally would. Let them go about their lives, and if they get sick, the chances are 99999 percent of the times, it's going to be very mild. They won't even have symptoms. They will uh, recover and that's it. They won't even know they had it. Like, and then they'll be immune, and then they can help uh, with herd immunity. They can short circuit the virus from spreading afterwards. Okay. Like nobody's saying go out and infect people. I mean, we're talking about like George Washington infecting all of the troops at Valley Forge with smallpox. That's not what happened here. Is that what this guy is advocating? But Representative Jim Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina, who chairs this subcommittee, said that the documents, quote, show a pernicious pattern of political interference by administration officials. What's the interference? You you got guys saying, hey, I think this is a way that we should approach this. And other guys saying, I think we should not approach it that way. We should approach it this other way. How is that interference? Wouldn't that be doing the very thing that you were supposed to be doing as the science advisor? He says, as the virus spread through the country, these officials callously wrote, who cares? We want them infected. What he does there is he cherry-picks two different phrases from different emails and puts them together. Because here's what Alexander said in the July 3rd email. So the bottom line is, if it is more infectious now, the issue is, who cares? If it's causing more cases in the young, my word is, who cares? As long as we make sensible decisions, now there's a key caveat, as long as we make sensible decisions and protect the elderly and the nursing homes, we must go on with life. Who cares if we test more and get more positive tests? That's what he's saying. Who cares about? Who cares if these people are testing positive and they're asymptomatic and they're not getting sick? right? But no, 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 we're supposed to read this like Clyburn reads it as proof that they want everybody to die. Unlike them, when they go marching at their super spreader events, hacking and coughing on everybody. Uh, no, 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 they don't want people to die because COVID knows, you see, COVID knows that their cause is righteous. Now, here's something I know. I have always been a very light sleeper. And, uh, I would toss and turn throughout the night. I could never really get comfortable. I could never really fall asleep really quickly either. Um, however, and just, that was my whole life. No, no matter where I was, it's not like it was any better or worse in different, uh, like at a hotel or something. It was just always, that's just always how I slept. And I will say it did get a little bit better when I got the CPAP machine cause I snored my whole life. Um, But now I I take CBD oil. I take a couple drops before I go to bed. And the only CBD product that I've ever taken is grower's hemp. Because I know the farmers. I know the farmers. Literally, one of them is my brother-in-law. So uh, it's family. And uh, these are uh, local farmers, North Carolina farmers. And they said, you know what? How about we create the entire process from the seed all the way to the shelf? And that means you get a better quality product at a lower price. Grower's hemp dot com is the website. Get the full spectrum hemp extract, add it to your daily routine. And if you're looking for what, a better quality of life, a balanced state of mind, um, lower tension, how about immune system resilience? Check out Growers Hemp. As with all CBD products, here is the official disclaimer Govco requires. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. So please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Go to growershemp.com, growershemp.com, and use my name, Pete, for 20% off. Use the promo code Pete at checkout for 20% off from North Carolina farmers to your home, growershemp.com, Growers Hemp. It's about the hemp and not the hype. Next up is a story here from the New York Times from earlier this month. Headline, the elderly versus essential workers who should get the coronavirus vaccine first. With the coronavirus pandemic surging and initial vaccine supplies limited, the U.S. faces a hard choice. Should the country's immunization program focus in the early months on the elderly and people with serious medical conditions who are dying of the virus at the highest rates or focus on essential workers, an expansive category encompassing Americans who have borne the greatest risk of infection. So healthcare workers and um, residents of long-term care facilities, right, they're the ones that are getting it first. Okay. The, the next question is, who else after that? It's a question increasingly guided by concerns over the inequities laid bare by the pandemic. They've, the first quote here is from Reverend William Barber of North Carolina, Moral Monday guy. He says, it's damnable that we are even being placed in this position, that we have to make these choices. Okay. Um, but he says, if we have to make the choice, we cannot once again leave poor and low wealth essential workers to be last. So this is interesting, because you know how many people fall into the essential worker category? <laughs> like everybody 90 million people 90 million people so basically everybody everybody can't be the top priority when you're making a list of priorities everybody can't be the top priority then there's really no priority then right so i went through this new york times article and it's it's kind of actually disturbing it's very disturbing um because if you ever thought uh that uh you know, single payer healthcare systems would not lead to death panels. This is a really clear indication that, yes, in fact, they do. Uh, they've got quotes in here from the people on the ACIP. The ACIP is the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. This is the committee within the CDC. These are the medical experts that uh, sat down and created the, the priority list of who's going to get the shots first. I went through their presentation from November 23rd titled the phased allocation of COVID-19 vaccines and the proposed group for phase one hospitals, long-term care facilities, outpatients, home health care, pharmacies, EMS, and public health. Okay, so those are the health care personnel. Next up, you've got essential workers. 87, there's about 21 million healthcare personnel, 87 million essential workers, food and agriculture, food service, transportation, education, energy, police, firefighters, manufacturing, IT and communication, and wastewater and uh, water. Then adults with high risk medical conditions. There are over a hundred million. Now there are overlaps here. Okay, so you got people who are going to be in both, right? There's overlapping categories, but people with like obesity, severe obesity, diabetes, COP, uh, heart disease, uh, chronic kidney uh, problems, cancer, smoking, solid organ transplant, sickle cell disease. Next. Uh, fourth category. Adults over the age of 65, there are 53 million of those people. Uh, community dwelling, congregate, skilled nursing facilities, assisted living facilities, residential care communities, and HUD senior housing. Okay? So, these were the groups. And then they uh, they kind of break down the, that all of these decisions were all guided by science, implementation, and ethics. These are the three categories. And under the ethics category... The HCP group is inclusive of all job types in healthcare and is racially and ethnically diverse. That's the first warning signal that this might just not be all about the science. Because when you look at the highest incidence of who gets it, it's obviously um, well, who gets it is young adults, but who dies from it is the old people. That's what their, the death rate per 100,000 population in ages 18 to 24 is 1.3. So one, one person out of 100,000 catches it and dies from it, 1.3. So think of like, it's one and a half Bank of America stadiums, okay? That's the size of the population you're talking about, 100,000 people, and one of them will catch it and die from it. However, almost 4,000 of them will catch it. So four thousand catch it, one will die from it in a population of a hundred thousand. You go to their uh, their chart, maximize benefits and min- minimize harms, promote justice and mitigate health inequities. These are their guiding principles, folks. And then you got quotes here. Um, ultimately, the decision will be up to governors. By the way, just keep that in mind. Uh, here is a quote. From to, to Mark Lipsitch, an infectious disease epidemiologist at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health, teachers have middle-class salaries and are very often white, and they have college degrees, so they shouldn't be getting it first. I mean, just the encapsulation of the rotting racism at the heart of this analysis, Francis D. Blau, a labor economist at Cornell, says that if supplies are short, frontline workers should be emphasized. Quote, there are a subset of essential workers who, given the nature of their jobs, must provide their labor in person, and prioritizing them makes sense, given the heightened risk that they face. Okay, next up, Harold Schmidt, an expert in ethics and health policy at University of Pennsylvania, says older populations are whiter. Those who already had more of them, we can start to level the playing field a bit by not treating the white folks interesting take that's a wrap for this episode i appreciate you listening thanks so much and we'll talk with you later don't break anything while i'm gone